thank the Lord for saving me for how good he is to me I don't have any complaints to make I deserve hell and I'm so thankful that I don't have to go there and I just want to take everybody that I can with me on my way and pray we have some lost family members and when we're up here we thank a lot of family because you know a lot of them are living up here and uh, so much of our family needs the Lord and I pray that that you just pray with me and that we can maybe say something or do something that will cause them to have either a renewed interest in the Lord or they just need the Lord to begin with. And I just want to thank the Lord for the wonderful relationship we've had with the church over the years. I mean, since we were little, we've been coming. Renee was, I think, a month old when my dad was called to preach. And the first church that he ever preached in outside of our home church was this church. So we've been coming 48 years. And I'm just so thankful for that and for the blessings that God has really given to us. A man sick with palsy still had some hope and faith enough that he would come to where Jesus spoke by the help of four others faith as much as he they found a way to get to where Jesus would be though the crowd was great they didn't turn away they broke through the roof he was lower that day 
him and the faith that they had. He healed the man and all the crowd heard them said, I've never seen anything like Jesus. I've never seen something quite like him. I stand in amazement and glorify him saying, I've never seen something quite like him. I stood in a church house lost as I could be, but Jesus in his mercy came and set me free. So from then till now, it's been just the same. So like the cry that saw him healed, I too can proclaim. I've never seen anything like Jesus. I've never seen something quite like him. I stand in amazement and glorify him saying I've never seen they've never seen you'll never see something quite like him I just like to say that I thank the Lord for saving me and for how good he's been to me. And um, that song was talking about how you've never seen anything like him. And that my dad has always said that the Lord's in a class all by himself. He said there, the Bible says there's Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. If you get all of them together, he'd still be their King and their Lord. And I'm thankful for that, that we serve such a good God. He's not dead and buried. He's not like Confucius. They put up or Buddha or anything. I'm just thankful we have a, a live, living, wonderful Lord. And I just want to say I thank the Lord for that. The preacher wants us to do this song. You know, my brother Micah wrote this song when he was 18 years old. He's in heaven now, but the Lord gave him this song. And I'm thankful for that, that a teenage young man could say that there ain't nothing better than Jesus. And that's what this song talks about. Jesus. 
just seems to grow. every day even with the ups and downs that come along life's way through it all I have found I had my dearest friend everything that I have I got from him thank God for grace thank 
to bear. Thank God. Oh, I know he cares. Loves me and gives me peace. Thank God for thee. Good job. They've been singing all week at the meeting. And I told Brother Roger we'd treat him good. We'll have an offering at the end. I told him we'd try to get $3,000 a piece. So he was happy about that, but we'll just take up an offering and see what the Lord does. But that's a faithful family. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> It was Friday night. I, I didn't, I couldn't sleep good, and the Lord got me up and started speaking to me about a message. And uh, I told my wife, I said, I don't know if Brother Rogers is going to be able to make it Sunday. I just feel like maybe he won't. So I, I, I worked, and then I, I went to bed, and then went to the meeting, and then I, I got home, and I, I just. Um, no, we had some friends come by for breakfast, and after they left, I, I told Pam, I said, I, I feel like I need to be ready. So I started studying again. She was at the church office, and I studied till about 1 o'clock, and I got a call from Brother Henson at 1.15 saying, Brother Brown, I'm so sorry. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Of course, he was upset about it and felt bad, and I said, Preacher, we understand. We, we love you. Anytime you can pass by, we love it, but don't worry about it. Just... I bet send the girls. He said, I will. I'll send them. But uh, so I got done about four o'clock in the afternoon and I felt good about it and come to church today. And I feel like the Lord gave me this to share with you. But I would love it more for him to be in this pulpit. We appreciate him and uh, wish he could, but he can't. We love him and we respect him. What a preacher. Hebrews 13. Now, I told you I'm not the pastor. I'm the evangelist for a little bit. And I got something to share with you God gave to me. And I want to preach it like an evangelist would to a church. And in this way, an older, wiser evangelist. A little gray hair, you know, a little bit. And uh, been down the road a little bit. I'm not to Brother Henson's uh, uh, wisdom age, but uh, I've been around a little bit. And uh, so I would like to say to you, like an evangelist that would come in, thank you, Brother Gordon, as a evangelist coming in would say to a church to try to help them about this topic that God put on my heart. And Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, we know, but let's read it. It says in God's word, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And the Lord put this on my heart just the other day, practical tips to help get a new year started right. So, uh, to have a good new year in 2019. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for brother and sister Henson and the girls and how faithful they've been. Please encourage his heart and their hearts as they go through this. Uh, Lord, sometimes he just isn't strong enough. 
He, he cannot do what he's been called and wants to do so desperately. So comfort him and encourage him. And thank you for him being a mentor and an example. And uh, Lord, just a faithful, faithful preacher. And thank you for the girls and their stand all these years as well, being submissive to their father and husband and supporting him. And, and Lord, uh, of course, for Micah, we love him, appreciate all his ministry. So, Lord, now we're in this service. We pray that we not look at it as something just to get through, but we want you to meet with us, Lord, and speak to our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, by the time I got through my initial, I call it a scattergram. That's how my pastor taught me to do outlines, whatever's on your heart, and I put it down and then kind of organize it and then go with how the Lord led. I had like about 12 points. Now, it's an afternoon service. You ate. I have enough common sense that I will not do that. But we're going to pick it up because some of these thoughts are needed. And I felt like it would be good for us to start the new year off with this. And then when the Lord showed me that I was going to be the preacher, I'd mention it today. And then we'll pick it up another time. But, you know, just a few days, obviously, we've turned the page on 2018. And we'll be in 2019. And uh, I say to you, as I've been an evangelist several times coming through this church. <laughs> I've been behind this pulpit several times. And, and I just want to say, Parkview, you ought to be very thankful for the spirit and the strength of your church. I am. And God has been very good. And gracious. See, Brother Henson does this a lot too. He's a weepingest preacher. That's what I love about him. He's real, transparent. Now, one of the ways in which this church has been blessed and is blessed is the leadership that God has brought into this body. We have several good leaders uh, that help Pastor Williams and I to have an effective ministry and unity of ministry as a church family. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I thank God for our good and helpful deacons. All four of the men and their wives that we have serving presently are good people. A couple of them long-standing. Of course, Brother Chuck went home to be with the Lord. He was a faithful and good deacon. And just, I don't know why, but the Lord put it on my heart a good year before anything happened that we needed to set aside a few more men. And boy, God was timely on that. We, we needed these new men on. All four of the, our deacons are good deacons and their families are a blessing to our church. I want to say that they help when called upon. Oftentimes they minister without even being asked or called upon. They take it of themselves. Many times you may not know it, but they're calling on people and visiting the sick and going by and seeing the elderly. And, and uh, they understand the office and the business of being a good deacon. The New Testament said that they were to relieve the pastor's so that the pastor could give themselves to the word of God in prayer. And, you know, Pastor Jeremiah and I still do a lot of calling. That, that's not a problem. We need to do that. But sometimes we can't get to everybody. And there are seasons in church life that uh, 
there are so many different people in different hospitals and funerals and people dying and couples having issues and family problems that, that I need sometimes just to call a deacon and say, hey, could you go by? And, and I'll tell you, most, just about every time I can hear the words of some similarity, something like this, whatever you need, pastor. Or they'll say, sure, I can handle that for you, no problem. And, and I love that spirit about these men. And so I thank God for our good deacons uh, making uh, the call sometimes when called upon to take care of some of the things Pastor and Pastor Williams haven't had or have the time for at the present time that it comes up. Uh, they give good advice, counsel. We meet and talk about the finances of the church and we go according to the budget that the church approves and they're very, uh, they're very good trustees and deacons and I appreciate their, their counsel and their advice. They're encouraging and supportive to me as their pastor. They sense sometimes the pressure of ministry and uh, before sometimes I even have to ask, they're, they're, they're realizing it. I know they pray for me, I know they pray for Pastor Williams. And uh, I appreciate them so much. So we're blessed. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.10, And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good decree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So. These men realize they're not doing it for earthly rewards, although they need to be thanked and appreciated. But one of these days, they're going to get well done, thou good and faithful servant from the Lord. I'm sure of that. And also, I'm thankful for the helpful and capable departmental leaders that our church has. This end of the year message is start of next year. And again, many of our departmental leaders and their spouses are helpful. And they are faithful. And they've been faithful for many years. And the truth is, our church could not function as well as it functions without these leaders. We have a lot of ministries at Parkview Baptist Church. And if we didn't have such people, the variety of leaders that we have, we wouldn't have the variety of ministries that we're able to offer to this congregation. You know, there's just no way. When I was all by myself years ago and didn't have an assistant pastor, my deacons supported me and helped me whenever they could. But... Obviously, we got to a point where we needed an assistant. And then we, I come with this departmental leader uh, position, and, and we went with that. And boy, that has blessed our church. And we do a whole lot more than we used to. And obviously, if we didn't have them in leadership, we couldn't do it. I've had some people say, boy, we're always doing something around here. As I was saying, sometimes we want to keep it fresh and running and, and interesting and not same old, same old and not dead. I don't want to have a dead church. And, and uh, these leaders help us to reach those goals. The Bible says a few things about leadership that I want to remind you of. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, uh, the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now think about that. Are you serving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might? But that's what God expects. And I have a time or two through the years had a leader that uh, at first they did it all and they wanted to and they were humbled and then they kind of got in the kind of like a lazy mode, if not, and then they just kind of got by and do what you have to. But that's not what that verse says. With all our heart, soul, think about that, your soul, 
How much are we engaged in ministry as we ought to be with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might? I say to Sunday school teachers, although I'm not speaking about you per se right now, that Sunday school lesson is important. And, and those children that God has entrusted you with are important to not just skim over a Sunday school lesson, throw it together, go in the class and do you. I mean, every week it should be your whole heart, soul, amen, and uh, might. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says in chapter 4 and verse 2, Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. I thank you. I thank you, church, for being faithful. Stay faithful. 28th. 18th pack, we're going to the 2019. We need faithful saints and faithful church members and faithful teachers and leaders. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writes in verse 13 and 14, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. Love people. Love those that work with you. Love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, And every man that receiveth the gift, even so minister the same one to another, a good steward of the manifold grace of God. They just say, thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. God gave you that grace for a reason. Be gracious to others. And then I'm thankful, obviously I want to mention before we move on here, but the relationship that I enjoy with my good assistant, Pastor Williams. Pastor and Mrs. Williams are truly a godsend to our church and to me. They're always busy in the work of the Lord. I don't have to babysit Pastor Williams that one bit. He's always engaged. He's always busy. He's always carrying out, you know, responsibilities. Him and I get together and talk about this, that, and this. And, but he's always diligent at that. That's such a blessing to me. I can go away at times for vacation or go away sometimes with my wife or to preach to another church and I don't worry at all about this assembly because I know it's in good hands. That's a blessing. And if he couldn't be, I know I'd have the deacons march right in there and do the same. So we got great leadership at this church. And these, Brother Williams is always available to me whatever I ask him, how many times I ask him. He's a great assistant in so many, a variety of areas. So many times I feel like he wears too many hats. Like Brother Tom Smith, he's got lots of hats as a deacon, treasurer, and all this. And other deacons doing so many different things. But our assistant pastor is just a real blessing. He's a great help to me in the oversight of this work. And that's what a pastor is, he's an overseer. <clears throat> I have to say it that way, even though you're a visiting evangelist, I have to say it this way. So. And I count it a blessing for him to be so faithful and loyal and a good spirit and attitude. And Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20, my pastor used this one time as he was ordaining me. And I, I feel this way about Jeremiah now. Paul writes, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. I believe that. I believe that. So, church, don't take the blessings of God for granted and pray for your leadership. Paul said it best when he said in Philippians 2, 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. 
And then Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the, bottom of, uh, in the bond of peace. Well, what this church has, and many has given testimony, we have unity. And uh, I thank God for that. We're of one mind and of one accord. At least I feel like that. Now, there have been a time or two, as Pastor Williams said in Sunday school, that somebody has to air out their grievances on Facebook. I'm going to be a nice evangelist right now. But that's wrong. It's wrong. And if something you don't like, you should come talk to pastor. Let's be man to man. But uh, for the most part, that hasn't happened. But a few times it does. I told you I was an evangelist. I'm going to make you mad. So I'm saying, you have to smile because I love you. But that foolishness has to go. That won't bring the spirit of unity or keep unity of the bond of peace in the church. Amen. Now, I, I started this sermon with seven points, but there's actually 11 or 12. So I told you, though, I'm not going there. I'm going to chop it off and we're going to revisit it. But so many of these are important, but I realize my time constraints and I realize what we got here, sleepy people after all that good food. But my key point, I guess, of approaching this subject matter is that Sometimes we don't realize what we got and we don't hear it like we ought to hear it. So that's why I'm coming in here as not the pastor, but the evangelist. So you'll listen, to, listen a little bit. Amen. And sometimes evangelists come in here, man, they preach. Everybody goes, oh, that's the greatest message. I haven't heard that before. It's been preached all kinds of times. So I want you to hear this thought today that uh, a good senior pastor and evangelist would say to you, uh, this way we can have more liberty and more blessing and uh, more of a sweet spirit and unity of relationship here that we have the privilege of owning right now as a local church. I'd not trade this church for another church on the face of the earth, and I mean that with all my heart. This is a good body of believers. And I want us to consider some things that uh, your pastors and church leadership would like for you to hear so we can have more effective ministry in 2019. First thing might sound so trite and like something you already heard before, but it's so what we need to hear. First thing is pray for your pastors often. Pray for them often. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 25, brethren, pray for us. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. It's like when we make plans for the future of this ministry. I, I want you to hear me. Some people don't hear me. I want you to hear me. If you can't hear me as your pastor, if you shut me off a long time ago, hear me as evangelist coming in. And I want you to hear this. What we do as a church body is not just for now, it is for future ministry and for the souls that are not even saved yet and for the babies of families that haven't even joined yet and for the down and outer, the reformer student that comes in here and gets saved, gets clean. It's for them in the future. Don't just think about today and what you want and what you think and how you feel. And I'm not trying to be a wise guy so I can say this as an evangelist. You don't carry the burden like a pastor carries the burden. So my thing is, trust your pastor. Trust your leadership. Yeah, but. No, but. Uh-uh. 
Again, 28 years, there ought to be some measure in you that I think we can trust our pastor. Now, I know some people mess up, and I can mess up too. For the grace of God, I would not be where we're at. I mean, God's been good to us. But don't borrow trouble and don't think that you got to be the last vote negative just so somebody has a negative vote. Why can't you have unity, accord, trust? So I need your prayers because God put upon my heart and mine and my shoulder the responsibility of pastoring this church. Cooperation, understanding. And Pastor Williams, God has brought our way 11 plus years of faithfulness. And don't you think I as a pastor have thought that he had any any smidgen of liberality in him or wanting to take the church in the wrong direction or affecting me wrong that I'd have got rid of him a long time ago? I hope you know I would have. He's a good man. And we work together. And our deacons meet. We get together. Listen, we have disagreements at times talking about things. Nothing wrong with an opinion or a difference of agreement. But we always say, hey, we're together in this. It's work good. Get on board. Keep the spirit of unity. Keep the bond of peace. Hey, you said, preacher, is there a problem? I'm not preaching this message because there's a problem. This is a message helping us not to have a problem. Amen. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, i got to clean out the garage and get it organized again. Every year, my wife and I, we look at budgets for our household a couple times a year. So we get back in line and get things that they're supposed to be. This is one of those type of messages. And I'm the evangelist, bless God. And I'm trying to help you. Nary bit. Told you I'd throw a few of those in. So pray that we, listen, pray that we, Pastor Williams and I, will resist the constant attack of our enemy. Pray that we'll remain close to the Lord in our personal walk and our devotional life. Pray for our wives, for our families. Pray for our spirit that we may be gracious and humble of heart. I know who I am. I know who this church is, and I know I don't deserve to be pastor, but God has placed me here. I'm, I'm still at awe that I get to do this. Pray we serve the Lord as faithful stewards and that we remain in the idea that God gave us to be accountable unto the Lord. For he's the only one and true head of this church. Not me and not him. But not anybody else. I'll quote Brother Henson. I remember he said, that he was not a dictator, but he was the one making sure they didn't have any other dictators in the church. Something like that. Nary bit, nary bit. <laughs> what God has given is so important to us. And listen, I treasure my calling. I'd never want to do anything to hurt the cause of Christ or this church. So if we make a decision and share it with the deacons and get counsel and we come out in agreement that we should go do this, even to the smallest little thing, we're asking for prayer and cooperation that this church may be a better church than it was last year, more in the coming years till he comes. So dear ones, please pray for me and pray for us. Paul wrote 1 Timothy 1.12 and I thank 
Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me for that, he has counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. <clears throat> Number two, continue to give, <clears throat> as an evangelist, continue to give your pastors respect. Sure. Respect of office. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I know you're tired, but you can turn some pages, I think, in your Bible. It'd be all right. Wake up a little bit. Turn the page. First Thessalonians chapter 5, look at 12 and 13. And please, don't fall asleep on me yet. I'm going to be done here in a minute. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren. The word beseech means beg, plead. We, we, we beseech you, he says, to know them which are... The labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Watch it. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. <clears throat> the spiritual work of the Lord for the pastor is most of the time very heartwarming. But also there's time of heartbreaking. The heartbreaks over people. The decisions they, choices they make that are ruining their lives. Sometimes the stubbornness of people. Sometimes the pastor, you try to help them with advice and they, they don't take it. They look at you and nod their head, but they mean this. Of course, this is based on many factors that will either be heartwarming or heartbreaking. But the main thought I have is that we might have harmony and unity in the body of Christ. We need a spirit of responsiveness as sheep to the shepherd. And Jesus is my chief shepherd. Amen. And I want to be responsive to him when he calls me. Amen. And I'd say for the most part, this congregation so precious to me, is very responsive to the preached word. And I don't even feel, I don't just feel that way. I, just about any evangelist I bring through here, or missionary, or special speaker, they'll tell me, man, your people, listen, they respond good. That's, you know, that's a good thing. And I have the need of liberty when I preach. But I also have the need of cooperation and administration as pastor. And so far, it's been wonderful. I count it a great blessing. I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. So thank you, church, for your spirit of responsiveness and spirit of cooperation. But listen, the Bible says in our text, we ought to do that for what reason that we do it with joy and not grief. And you know, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of local churches in this area that they have been going through and are going through and have maybe closed the door because people did not get it. I think you get it, and we want to continue to have it at this good church. And the text before us this, this afternoon is, obey them that have the rule over you. That word obey doesn't mean you do it because I say so. If a pastor comes that way, then that's a wrong attitude. Obey for the work's sake. It means, the word means to trust. The word means to have confidence in. 
This word obey means to believe in. You know, if, if you're a leader and I've asked you to serve, in a, that means I trust you. That means I wouldn't ask you if I didn't believe in you. Return that back. That's what it means to obey them that are in leadership or have the rule over you. And it says that this word also means to be confident in or to be persuaded by. So if there's something that comes along down the road of in the church, in the financial end or the uh, service end or the separation end or the uh, teacher's covenant or whatever we're doing for the glory of God and for the good of the church and for souls and all that, then be confident and be persuaded that that's a good thing. Amen. Amen. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. And here's a word we don't like, submit yourselves. Wives are told to submit to their husband as, to the Lord, as unto the Lord. Isn't the church a picture of the bride and the groom? So I know that there's some preachers somewhere that have messed up. But don't give me a bad rap. Or Pastor Williams. And don't have in your heart, I'll be the first one to remind you of this sermon, Pastor Brown. You got it wrong, man. I'm not Pastor Brown. I'm evangelist right now. <laughs> to be persuaded by. To suffer oneself to be persuaded. That's an interesting concept of this word obey. To be induced to believe. Wow. To respect a person. See, that's my point. Be respectful of your pastors. Respect the office if you can't the person. But if you can't respect the, past, the person, maybe he shouldn't be in the office. Amen. I cannot stress it enough that spirit is important. Your spirit as a church has given me much joy over the years and not grief. Let's keep her going. Amen? Amen? Please be respectful. Please be cooperative. Please keep the enemy at bay. Keep harmony in this body of Christ. Respect the office. But he goes on from that. Obey, not the, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for it is unprofitable for you. So let's guard the testimonies of our leaders. And listen, however good and godly a, a pastor or elder will need to be to do the work of God, we're mere men. Mere men. I've never got up here and said like the Pope would, I'm standing here in this cathedral and I cannot make a sin. <laughs> because that, that's not true. But be respectful and be meek. Respect their person and respect their family. Respect their time. Study, prayer, preparation, visiting, administration. Realize sometimes if you do call, and, you, you know, sometimes people just, and I understand people want help right away, but you don't understand that there's five other things happening over here. And as soon as we can, we'll get, and we have, sometimes we have to make judgment of what's 
important and more important and maybe even more important. All are important. But don't automatically go in your heart and say, well, he don't care. Don't say that because I do care. But you have to understand time constraints and other schedules and other appointments and so forth. And here's one. Brother Henson would say this. Respect their need for fellowship with you and yours. Don't shun a preacher because of his stand, because of his sermon, because of the decision that he has made or the vision that he has or the course set for this ministry. Don't shun them. Don't be mad at them. Amen. Love them. Fellowship with them. And I think I've demonstrated, we've had many people and, and over and try to in groups and, and we want to have people in our life and in our home and we, we want that. But understand a pastor can't have everybody all the time. If we did that, we would not have a pastor's wife. She would get rid of me. If I said, y'all come over every night. You know, so when I was down south under J.E. Glass, we get done with church and they say, y'all come to the house. They never meant that. They just said that. I thought they meant it. I was a new Yankee. I'd be going over to their house. And, what are you doing here? <laughs> you said come to the house. Southerners have this, they got things that you and I don't understand. Pastor Williams, in a weak moment, told us the one thing. Remember that? Bless your heart. Now that's code to you dumb Yankees. That's what that means. But they're not going to say that, but they're going to say, oh, bless your heart. Remember that? <laughs> Ladies, you're from the South. Is that, is that right? Amen. Thank you. So don't shun the preacher because he preached a sermon that hurt you a little bit. Because he made a decision that maybe you don't like. Whatever you think, I, I love you. Sometimes I got to look at the bigger picture, not just one family, one individual, one gripe or complaint, or one maybe good idea, but it's not timing for that good idea. A lot of, a lot of stuff about church is timing. Waiting for the Lord. And uh, so I remember as a young preacher and a pastor coming home, my wife will remember this. I'd come, I was a young preacher and you know, young preachers, they make mistakes. They, they got to learn through experience and, and sometimes making bad decisions. And it happens. I mean, just like anybody else. You know, some of you people, you are professionals in your field. You didn't get that way overnight. And you, you don't like anybody telling you how to do your job. But you had to learn and you had to develop. Remember this in the ministry. It takes time to develop in ministry. And I was a young preacher and I would... I'd, and I'd come home from a trying day or a meeting or a problem, and I'd think to myself, and I told I said, well, honey, when I'm 30 years old, they're going to finally respect me. And then I find myself saying, you know, honey, when I'm 40, I think 40 is the number. Pastor Williams probably feels that way. He just turned 40, didn't you, Jeremiah? He said, when I'm 40, they're going to respect me around here. But I want to tell you something, Jeremiah. When I was 40 going on, I said, 50, 50's it. I got a little salt and pepper in there at 50. And man, they're going to respect me. But you know, I got past 60. And sometimes with some people, they're going to respect me one of these days. 
Don't be the person that comes in here at my funeral, look down at me and say, man, I sure respected Pastor Brown. Tell me now. <laughs> I respect you, Pastor. I trust you now. Amen. Especially you in leadership. I didn't, I didn't ask you to be a leader not to trust you. I trust you. But sometimes, it's like you feel sometimes, well, Pastor, spirit of unity, accord, not discord. Some preachers, pastors, some people think, well, they did me wrong. I remember that preacher. You're the, I'm not that preacher. I'm not that pastor. This is not that church. Amen. I remember my wife and I, again, we were, we were at New Hope. We were in Indiana, and we were there a couple of years, and we had deacons meetings, quarterly deacons meetings, and I, I remember my wife being brokenhearted because some of the ladies of the churches were not friendly toward her. I mean, they were rude, and sometimes they weren't friendly at all. And I remember I had a deacon's meeting, we got all the deacons together, we talked about our meeting, and we got all done. And many of them had been under an older preacher, and I'm going to say his name is Brother Blackwell. Okay, I don't know a Brother Blackwell. We had that deacon's meeting, got all done, and this was bothering me, it was hurting my wife. We'd been there almost two years, and I, I said, I need to talk to you men about something. And they looked at me, and I said, number one, my wife's brokenhearted because she feels like the ladies of the church are unfriendly. They don't like her. And I'm going to tell you something. My wife's a sweetheart. I told them that. And she's she's a thousand times more now that's a godly woman. She is a sweet Christian. She runs, she walks with the Lord. She's the real deal. And I said to those men, I said, she's probably not liking this, but I'm using the illustration. I said to them, I said, you need to go home and talk to your wives. Because this isn't good. And then the second thing I said, I'm not Brother Blackwell. I'm Brother Brown. Some of them, there was a problem with the church, and they had a real big problem, and they, some of those families left and joined us. Five or six families joined us at that time in Indiana. And you know, they so loved that preacher, but it was a wrong situation, and they left because then they come over and wanted me to be him. And I had to say to them, I'm not him, I'm me. Paul said, have I been so long with you? So, I trust you. I trust you or you wouldn't be a Sunday school teacher. I trust you or you wouldn't be a departmental leader. I have confidence in you. I would have never asked you to be a deacon, Paul. If you have anything to do around here, i got to give an answer to God. So, I trust you. Trust leadership. Cooperate with leadership. Pray for leadership. Fellowship with leadership. There should not be any of our leaders not speaking to one another or having fellowship one with another. Amen. Even our Lord. Listen, and I, you know, please hear me. Don't take me wrong here. Out of context. I got to be done. We started at what time? 1.15? Okay. We got to finish. But even our Lord, our shepherd, tried to get his own men to understand why they should believe on him and submit to his authority. 
Believe his motives, believe his love, believe his position. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 11. He says, believe me that I am, I in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe, listen to the words, for the very work's sake. Now, I will point this out, that I'm using this verse as a manner of instruction and application, not interpretation. Remember, there's many applications to verses, but there's only one interpretation. I'm not saying to you that I'm Jesus and you should listen to me. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But for the work's sake, yield and submit. Their verses, obey them to have the rule over you. And again, I'll say, I'm not having a problem. We not. I'm doing this preventative medicine. So in 2019, we can have a wonderful ministry. Now, I'm going to quit because we're going to number three, and I realize that I need to stop. But let me go to my points here, what Brother Henson would have said. Now, hold on here. I, I included him in this as I was preparing, knowing that he was not going to be able to come. All right, Brother Henson would have said, besides a few more nary bits, He'd say, listen to this old preacher. He'd been down the road a bit, saw a lot of things. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but I believe Brother Henson would have said something like this because he's told me this personally. Brother Brown, he would say to the church, Brother Brown came, has come to be one of the top shelf preachers. He likes it, the top shelf now. He's always been kind to me and said nice things to me. But I believe what Brother Henson would say to you, church, what you have at Parkview is special. He would say, how many years? 48. I've been coming here 48 years. He would say, I, this is one of the first churches, first church I preached at outside my own home church. And he would tell you, pray, Respect your pastors. Pray and respect your leadership. Your deacons, your departmental leaders. Leadership, get along with one another. Endeavor to keep the unity of the body. Peace in the body. Going forward, not backward. Amen? Henson, ladies, you should be amen now. You're supposed to be representing your dad here. <laughs> Oh, I get it. Women are supposed to be silent in the church. <laughs> that was timey. That was great. Church 2019. Can you believe it? It's just a few days. A new year. A new opportunity. A fresh slate. I want to see more souls saved. I want to see baptisms. I think you might have been one of the last baptisms, and you were saved when? October? August 30th. August, end of August, <laughs> after tent meeting. So we've had some folks saved, but, you know, baptisms, church growth, we've got families visiting here just about every week. We're in the day today where a lot of people want to go to church, but they don't want to be a member of a church. I don't, I don't understand that, but that's where we're at. So we need to pray. 
Because this body of believers needs more Christians that are gifted to work their gifts in this church. We need them and they need us. Amen. So we'll come back to this. It's just some tips to help us have a good year. Amen. And my address mainly was to about leaders, our deacons, our pastors, our departmental leaders. We got some good ones, but listen, we have to understand where we're at and what we need to do. And let's love and trust and commit to one another. Amen. And not be suspect and wondering. And No, no, no. That's not how we get the job done. You know, people will come when they know we love them. They'll care when we care. So we got to care more. And a church is not going to do much if they're infighting and not getting along and not working together. So as a preventative message, let's go into 2019. We'll return to this because those next seven, eight points are important points. Okay, Let's bow our heads if we would. It's been, it's been about an hour and 15.